Hey everyone, I'm Eric Peckham, and this is the Monetizing Media Podcast. My whole focus is breaking down business opportunities across media, entertainment, and gaming. I'm joined by a leading entrepreneur, executive, or investor in most episodes to share tactical insights about the strategy of their company, the investment thesis they have, or topics like business models, pricing, and creating loyal fans. Today, I'm discussing the frontiers of where media brands are attracting and engaging a community around their content with Boye Fajimi. Boye is a co-founder and president of The Future Party, an LA-based media and events brand targeting professionals in entertainment, tech, marketing, and other creative fields. The company sends a great daily newsletter and invested early in creating content on Clubhouse, which attracted a 15,000-person following to its club. He has experimented with Discord, community, and other tools to determine new expansions to the brand's content creation and events businesses. Hey, Boye, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. How are you doing? Doing great. Excited to excited to chat about the frontiers of audience development and community building online with you. Give us a sense of where the future party stands right now and, and where you guys have been experimenting in community building. You have the newsletter, which is uh, an anchor for your audience. You have 15,000 followers on your clubhouse group. You guys have always been very focused on, in some senses, community first before content in the sense of thinking where people are online and focused on starting conversations there, as opposed to just driving people back to a specific website. Things, things have been going well for us, as you basically alluded to, our newsletter is really where we're spending a lot of our time as far as the growth of the business. But we, we were born out of experiences and events and creating community. And so that will always be a big part of our our brand moving forward. It's really the foundation. And so we do get excited and we do get jazzed as, at finding what what things are happening next and how to continually support and empower that community. And of the many things out there in the world, Clubhouse came at a time that really made sense. And so, yeah, we've been doing tons of Clubhouses. It feels like we're doing about a Clubhouse a day, which is which has been really intriguing and interesting and took a, a decent amount of work to get to where we are. And certainly there's other groups that are that are bigger, but our audience is pretty engaged, which, which is which is awesome. And yeah, I think what one thing that we've we've just been exploring in general is this idea of where our where community lives. And Clubhouse right now is I think feeling the growing pains a little bit. And I think they're getting squeezed from just changing behavior from the pandemic, product updates, and also competition. And one thing that they're going to have to face, and I know this because we're already thinking this way, is where the creators want to stay, right? So should we continue to double down on Clubhouse and grow, even though it's harder to have larger rooms and find an audience or does it make sense to go to some of these other competitors and build audiences there i think yeah i think you've seen audiences dissipate across the board you're saying on clubhouse yeah uh, yes yes and i don't know that it's i think it's just the natural course of 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 product right when i look at 
our behaviors when maybe Twitter came up and Snapchat started to come up. For a while there, everyone is using it, it feels like. But then slowly but surely, it it becomes the core audience. There's a core audience that, that will use it and help really define the product. And for Twitter, there are a group of super users that have kept that app alive for so long. And there was it felt almost a decade where I didn't really pour into Twitter and now I'm back on it. And so I think Clubhouse is probably going through just similar things right now as far as just the a big portion of the audience maybe not being power users. Talk to me about building this 15,000 person following on Clubhouse and whether you guys stay exclusively on Clubhouse with your social audio discussions or you expand across some of the other platforms that are launching. What are the tactics that you found a lot along the way to build a following, right? How is that different from the way you approach building the following for your newsletter or on other social platforms like Twitter? So for the first part of the question, as far as what we did, I mean, it took a lot of time and energy. It definitely wasn't anything overnight, but the first thing to, to understand is you have to create content. You have to, you have to build rooms and it's really a mixture of building your, your, your own personal profile and the, and the rooms profile. And so at first it was really hard to get a club on uh, clubhouse and then it became a little bit more open, but I think that that benefited us being an early adopter and being able to get a club early on. And we just made it a priority on the app to get all the people we knew following our club. And I think we had a little bit, I think it was right place, right time, because Clubhouse had almost a perfect viral loop. That, that curiosity, we got people on early and the behavior on the app, the moment you're listening to a talk, it's to explore. And so as they're exploring, you're, you're following people, you're getting thrown into their personal accounts, their businesses off platform, you're following the club and so on and so forth. And so I think it was a mixture of making sure the people in our community who are early adopters, we got, we made them members. And so naturally as they're on the app, people can see their badges and get curious and click and follow as well as creating content and being as prolific as possible. I think the thing to understand for us is we do thought leadership. It's funny. It almost feels like clubhouse was made for us and, we were able to bring interesting conversations with people who have big followings on the app and people who don't. And at the end of the day, if you, if you create the perfect storm, you will get people engaged in your room. And again, just the nature of the app, the more people in your room, the more people see that the more, the better discovery is. And so we would just host rooms, bring in the right people and enough new people would be curious enough to click follow and join. Yeah. With your content strategy getting going, I mean, if you're at a rate of a clubhouse every day, was part of this a quantity over quality decision in the sense of so many people were rushing into clubhouse and it being the hot up app of the moment, checking it out every day where the most valuable thing was just continuing to be present and have things as opposed to trying to overly produce a smaller number of discussions and get exactly the right people and coordinate for others to join. 
Yeah, I think for us, we always try to go through the lens of quality, right? But I think at the end of the day, we also are testers. We're just testing things. And so we came we came from the perspective of, okay, what does our audience want? What do we want to create? What are the different verticals we write about? And so we tested a bunch of different rooms and concepts and basically had fun with it at the end of the day. And there were a couple of different types of rooms that really hit. We do a room called Everything is Art most Saturdays with one of our friends, Thank You X, who's, who's, a, who's a dear friend and also been a big part of the community for a while. And that room sometimes gets 2,000 plus people. And we've interviewed some dope people on the app. And, and that's an interview format? I feel it's... I feel Clubhouse is... It's interesting because in the beginning of Clubhouse, right, they're, they're, I think people experimented with different formats, but the one that I just consistently see that, that works is you have a couple core people and as things go, you bring on other guests and people to join. And so that's kind of more, it's, we, we were the anchors, we are the anchors, and then we bring on people to join and have the conversation and ask questions as we go along. But so we're constantly testing. We're almost treating it like a TV network where we have a team, right? So we have two two people on our team who are awesome. One of my co-founders and whose, whose name is Paul and Ashley, who oversees our experiences, are basically spearheading a lot of these event, a, a lot of these clubhouse rooms. And over time, we will see what what works and doesn't work. And the things that aren't working, we need to be smart about our time and we move on to the next one. But we also have co-creators. We have people who aren't on the core team, who want our audience, who want an audience for themselves, who will collaborate with us on different ideas, whether that's in cannabis or film or coaching, whatever. By nature of the platform, if you have built a large audience, you become a little bit of this like radio programmer, right? Where other people who want to have interesting discussions, but maybe don't already have the built-in following are coming to you and pitching their show idea to you. Yeah. How do you think about whether it's from your own events or, or the ones that other people's approach, other people approach you with and, and you help organize, how do you think about the downside of something, an event that doesn't go well on clubhouse? It seems like there's a much greater tolerance for losing people's interest in the sense that they just leave the room, but they come back again, they still see events happening that you're organizing by nature of the social graph and how it features discussion. Totally. I, look, I think the, it's almost like building in public, right? Because we, we do most of our rooms public. And so if we, if we maybe have a room that's a little smaller, sometimes there's internal pressure and maybe there's a perception layer there but at the end of the day honestly it's really about the quality of the conversation if there is a quality conversation and people are getting value then that's a success obviously we we want to continue to grow both on clubhouse and our community but at the end of the day as far as perception and what is a failure if you can engage people who care about a subject and find value 
And that's a success. And the people coming in at the end of the day, they, I don't know if some people are like, oh, there's only 20 people in here. That conversation's bad, but it's not really like that all the time, right? You, many people are curious enough to, to say, is this valuable to me? And the, the reality is, though, the more people that are in a room, the more there is perceived value, no doubt. But we, we so far haven't really had a problem because we're just, again, we're experimenting and we're having fun. And as long as there's this, even if it's a small group of people enjoying it, it's a success, even if it's not something we continue to do. Who are the top creators on Clubhouse as far as the talent you're seeing gain traction on the platform, gain the biggest following, you know, what you've seen across all the discussions you've hosted is there a clear pattern or, or archetype of the clubhouse influencer in terms of the way they host a show, how expressive they are, the things that that get people going and keep them tuned in? Yeah. What's really fascinating is there's different types. Like I'm almost seeing like the clubhouse influencers as like what the Vine influencers were way back in the day. And even though there's different kinds, like at the end of the day, these are people who are well-spoken. They have a gift of gab. And the gift of gab, I think what's great and unique is it's not, there are similarities, but there's also differences. Some people might be hyper energetic and fast and quick and, and others might be a little bit more calculated and cool and smooth. And at the end of the day, though, they have a talent of moderating. They have a talent for empathy, reading the room, and also just being smart thinkers, right? I also think the best moderators are great listeners. So as far as names, there's a group that just consistently crushes it and has a large audience. So you have like Wolf, you have Farouk, Leo Lamar, Elisa Jacobs, Swan Sit is a big one, Rembrandt Flores. These are people who have amassed really big audiences. There are some people with millions of followers. That's, that's a little tricky because some are like great moderators. And I mean, to a degree, they're all great, well-spoken people, but I think there may be some algorithm suggesting going on potentially. But yeah, there's also another person that I, I host rooms with. Her name is Dahlia Strom, who's really smart and she, she's got a lock on the marketing world. And so I, I think it's just, it's the same t influencers on Clubhouse, I think are the same type of people you'd want to listen to on a podcast. You'd want to talk to in a room, right? It's just, like, you'd want to see moderate a panel. Right? It's just people who know how to host at the end of the day and, and bring out the best in other people. Yeah. As you look at the other major social platforms, seemingly all of them in various stages of launching their own clubhouse competitors, do you think that might change who the biggest influencers are in this social audio world? You know, if, if, yeah. It, is it essentially handing the keys to the people who have already built the biggest audiences on Twitter, on yeah. Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, where it's not likely to change dramatically who yeah. the big creators are? 
I would say yes and no, right? I think what Clubhouse has done is it provided a whole different vertical. There are people who don't have big followings who are, who on other social platforms, who for some reason on Clubhouse blew up because they were able to flex and showcase a part of their personality that people traditionally hadn't really looked at in a social media way. Now, so let's look at other places where people have developed an audience. I think those people who now start to do, let's take Twitter spaces, for example, I think that's a really good comp because what I've seen is the people who have big followings on Twitter spaces have stopped pushing the need to be to grow their audience on Clubhouse as much. And why would they? On Twitter, uh, these individuals, they've built a massive audience already, but they've done it through text, through their gift of contextualizing short conversation analysis and so on and so forth. And these individuals, most of them actually do also have the gift of gab. They're able to speak. And so now they, the audience they spent however long building on Twitter, they can translate and grow even more on Twitter. And that works for them. And, and the, the reality is, and I said this very early on, I, the reason why Clubhouse is so interesting is because having a smart conversation is not hard. What I mean, so really, it, it's it's giving the power to just smart people who may, many people may have thought were average, quote unquote. But because they can keep a conversation, they can ask questions, they can say smart things. People want to listen to them, and I think the same thing will happen on on Spotify, right? Except it may be more people who have playlists already or are musicians already. I mean, I think what will be exciting to see is how the inherent reason that different people go to different platforms affects the type of social audio discussions that happen there and creators that happen there, right? You have Clubhouse, and and as you talked about, it's settling down in some ways now and and leaving just a core, core user base. But Clubhouse is very much this open-ended, ongoing discussions about all sorts of things and just hanging out. Twitter has much more of an ADD psychology to it, right? If you're on Twitter, it's lots of short snippets of things and quick comments and really long-form discussions that are, in many ways, the opposite, the least efficient way to uh, convey information mm-hmm. are at odds with that in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And and Twitter is also, you know, so much of discussion on Twitter is politics, business, sports, their core categories that are big on on Twitter. Whereas, you know, on Spotify, it, it's a home for music and increasingly podcasts. And it will be interesting how the types of live audio content that rise up are different between them. Totally. 100%. From a monetization standpoint, how have you thought about the audience you've built on Clubhouse? Is this right now purely just marketing and, and building the community, driving people back to your newsletter as well? Or is part of your 
aim here to monetize this in some way? We're not as concerned with those right now, because at the end of the day, I think history repeats itself and there's already a, a market for monetization for influencers. So there's already people making money on Clubhouse. We've been making money on Clubhouse through our productions of rooms and things like that. And talk more, talk more about that. Of, of what are, you know, what are the deals that are happening? How are, you know, is it mainly brands paying to engage the community in different ways? And, and how do you do that? It's there's a lot of brands. There's the NFT community, I think, too, is sort of riffing off of each other as well, because for some reason, NFT drops are like, you go to you go to Clubhouse, I joke, I call Clubhouse NFT house, because like, that's where people are launching their NFTs. And there's so much demand in the NFT market. So that to, and because Clubhouse now is is a little bit harder to have a successful room. It's like, Yo, if you you want to pay these people that are like having successful rooms, and so that's that's a market that we've been seeing brands who want to try different channels because again, the behavior on the app is one where I'm listening and I'm researching, I'm clicking who's speaking, I'm looking at the brands. And there's a lot of opportunities there, and so we we've ha- we have a, a couple partners and we've. Been, We've done some co-branded rooms and we'll, and we'll continue to do them for as, as long as we can. It, it, it's clear to us that the audio format, live format is here to stay. And for us, I think the easiest way to think about it is we treat it like an event. I mean, it, it's got a budget, there's, there's expenses, and we produce it. And it takes time and effort, which is money. Yeah. I, I want to talk about other platforms as well here in terms of frontiers of online community building and and creating content for your audience where else are you spending time i know we we talked a little bit before about community the text messaging based platform that that's based here in la Mm -hmm. um yeah what are the frontiers where are you guys spending time and and seeing this roi on on time and resources spent community building and different platforms for sure at the end of the day, community is connecting your audience with each other, right? And so we're constantly exploring tools to do that and to build that. Right now, for so long, for so for, for a lot most of future parties history, we've been communicating on digital forums, right? Whether that's Facebook or whatever messaging app platforms. And that's been great. But for a while, there's always been a need to really hone in on the right platform to use to consolidate everything. And there's been, I think, uh, a renewed interest and passion into fixing this problem. One platform that seems to be crushing it right now is Discord, as far as a really cool tool to build community and It's one that we've been exploring with and playing around with. There are a hundred other messaging platforms that do similar things. A lot of people use Slack, which is very similar. It certainly feels that community is migrating towards messaging, which is something that we've been really jazzed on. The community is as an app is, is super cool. And I love 
Matt and Josh and, and all those guys over there, it, it provides more of a one-to-one relationship and we've certainly used it and we'll continue exploring sort of the direct messaging platform, both as a means of building community and storytelling. And, but I think that we, as a business, we have to think through timing and, and the right times to do all of these things. Right. But yeah. those are definitely how, a couple things. Yeah. How have you guys been using community, the, the platform or app in, in your community engagement? Because to your point, it's on one hand, it enables one-to-one communication between audience members and a central host celebrity organization in an exciting way. But what it doesn't have is that community building function between members of the same audience to meet each other and engage. Yeah. For us, we maybe thread the needle and we use it a lot for event invitations. So it's that promise of getting together with other people, if that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. yes, we can't, we, I mean, maybe we could, but we haven't figured out a way to connect other people. But it's been a tool for us to bring people into various funnels so that they can get to the core of the community by way of just letting them know what's going on, having conversations with them and keeping like using it as a tool to keep our community engaged by making sure that they're continually connected to us. Yeah. Uh, with Discord and Slack, I'm curious the calculation there. I feel like for uh, between the two, they're the most common platforms I see media companies or organizations turning to to try and organize their community somewhere online. What's a calculation you guys made to go with Discord? And, and have you seen a clear breakdown as far as which of those platforms is better for different types of audiences? I think that it's just at the end of the day, it's clear that like Slack is created for work, full stop. I think people yeah. have hacked it for community. And I think logic says Slack will probably definitely create more social features with everyone. Like, again, it's like once you've built a community somewhere, it's, it's hard to move it. And there's lots of communities on Slack. And so it, it, it works. Discord, at the end of the day, its core was not work-based. It was gaming-based. And it was building community from the get-go for a particular niche. And and now those niches are growing. It's becoming more widespread. But at its core, it's not meant for work. And maybe people will use it for work. But the, the, the vision and the lens and the way the product's roadmap looks is how can we create social interaction and not what's the what's the latest spot to get a a check-in on and see where people are at in their in their roles where would you recommend community builders media companies start spending time as far as some of the new platforms you're seeing where there's a clear benefit to being an early mover and, and engaging on the platform for sure I mean, a lot of it's what we've talked about today. I think from the top, from an audio perspective, I think that everyone will find their right home. There's going to be a ton of different options. I mean, and 
So I think if said communities have the gift of gab, then finding some sort of audio based platform would be smart. I, I have a feeling Twitter spaces will be probably top three of of the bunch. It's again, it, it makes sense that people who already have a huge audience on Twitter are the people who who want their ideas and thoughts heard. So I could see people, I could see more people using Twitter soon because of this. As far as communication, that one's tough because it, each and every community is different. Well, Boye, thanks for sharing today. Yeah, thank you for, for having me, Eric. Thanks for listening to the Monetizing Media Podcast. You can join my Monetizing Media newsletter and find other resources like a database of investors who focus on media and entertainment startups at monetizingmedia.com.